0: Here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of Hope Along the Journey. We appreciate so much each one of you who listen on a regular basis, and we'd love to hear from you. If you would, would you take a few moments to drop me an email? The email is very easy to remember. It's hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Again, that's hopealongthejourney.com at gmail.com. We're also publishing now a monthly email newsletter that we'd love to have you to be able to be part of and to enjoy and hear what's going on with the Hope Along the Journey ministry. Now, if you'd like to be part of that, it's very simple. All you need to do is go to the website. And again, that's hopealongthejourney.org, hopealongthejourney.org. And If you'll just wait just a couple of seconds, a screen will pop up that will say stay in touch. If you will put your email address in that screen, then we will be very happy to put you into the newsletter family and you will start getting your newsletter from us. Again, thank you for being with us today. We have a wonderful guest with us by way of Zoom, and that's Ginger Shell. Ginger, welcome to the Hope Along the Journey podcast and radio broadcast.
2: Thank you, Mark. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah. This has been exciting. I we talked some time back about getting you on here. And then there was a lot of business going on. And and then all of a sudden the other day I saw your posting on Facebook. And I'll mention more of that here in a minute. And I thought, you know what? We gotta get Ginger on this radio podcast. We got to get her on here. So I'm glad you're here today. I wish everybody could see your bright smile. You've got one of those great smiles and uh, you've got your coffee close at hand, right?
2: Yes, I do. It's right here beside me.
1: Drinking out of the coffee mug that your son made for you years ago, right?
2: That's exactly right. Yep. When he was a sixth grader.
1: Yeah. And I've got my, one of my favorite mugs, my Coca-Cola mug that I bought somewhere, probably no doubt at a thrift store that I'm drinking out of. So we're glad to have you. Let me Tell our listeners here a little bit about you, and then I'll give you an opportunity, Ginger, to talk more about your life. But she is from Charleston, South Carolina. She's a single mom of four children, three adult children and one teen. She is the owner of Intentional Reach, which was formerly known as Sermon Scribe, if I understand correctly. That's right. Yeah, okay. Her business specializes in sermon transcription, But she also transcribes uh, podcasts, speeches, conferences, webinars, radio programs, et cetera, et cetera. And you do this especially for pastors and various Christian leaders and people involved in Christian ministry. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's right.
1: And you've been doing this now about, what, 14, 15 years, roughly, you've been doing this?
2: 14 years. um, As of this week, it's been 14 years.
1: Congratulations. And then we're recording this in July. This is a July 8th date that we are actually recording it. So yeah. this is your anniversary day. Well, happy anniversary to your ministry, Ginger.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: That is so great. Now, I told you I was going to ask you this. I wanted you to share with our listeners some little piece of information about you that maybe is not the most well-known fact, like you you know, took a class in underwater basket weaving or something, what, you know, you've made a trip to the moon or what, you know, what was, what's something about your life that maybe not everybody knows?
2: Okay. So, um, people who knew me when I was a child will already know this, but, um, I don't think most of my, uh, the current people who know me know this, but, uh, I grew up playing the piano. Oh, you did. And, um, and I actually won a, a couple of talent contest and uh, that was fun.
1: <laughs> wow, do you play anymore at all?
2: I do not play anymore. Um my son plays, I mean okay. four or five times a day he'll sit down at the piano, play for 15-20 minutes and it's one of my favorite things to listen to someone play the piano. But I have not played in a long time, so.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, that's neat. Did you keep those awards that you received? Are they buried away in a shoebox somewhere or are uh, they gone?
2: My mom probably has them in a box somewhere, but <laughs> I have not seen them in decades.
1: Oh, well, that's neat. Well, maybe one of these days in your retirement years, many, many, many years from now, maybe you'll go back to playing the piano again.
2: Maybe so. Yeah. I I, t- I think about it sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, that is so neat. Well, again, Ginger, welcome to Hope Along the Journey. And uh, not only are you here as a guest today, but you do listen to some of the episodes of the podcast.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: And that that's exciting to me that uh, you would take the time to listen. And you even expressed a little while ago about how a recent one really touched you, especially that you were listening to. And I appreciate that. But again, back to your Facebook posting this week. As I was looking on Facebook and I started reading down through there, I, I realized that that 15-year-ago mark was a real important and pivotal time in your life. So if you would, Ginger, take us back to the earlier years of your life and kind of where you were at that time and what was going on in your life.
2: Okay. So um, in 2006, uh, I was married. I had four children between the ages of six months old and 12 years old and my children and I had to go into hiding from my husband. Obviously there's a whole lot of backstory there, but um, we'll just start from there. So um, packed up my children, left South Carolina and went to Illinois and lived in my brother's basement. Um, And uh, my brother and my sister-in-law were just wonderful, obviously taking in a family of five but I knew that I needed to get on my own two feet as quickly as possible. I mean, I could depend on them for a while. I mean, I kind of had to, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a driver's license. I did not have any education. Um, I mean, I was, and I had no money. I mean, I had nothing. So I was totally dependent on them. Um, so even though I knew I had to get on my own two feet, I was absolutely determined to remain a stay home mom. I, I had been a stay home mom since my oldest was born, and and i I was just absolutely committed to staying a um, stay home mom if there was any way to do that so um, I started looking online for things that I could do working from home and I ended up enrolling in a medical transcription course. Um, it took me about eleven months to finish the course. I got a job very quickly um, but I absolutely hated the work and could not make any money. Um, I was making less than minimum wage, sitting at my desk crying every day. It was, it wow. was an absolutely miserable experience.
1: Yeah, and, and coupled with that, of course, you had all the trauma that you were going through, the sense you're living in your, your relative's basement. Um, what, what, what were you feeling during that time? what what oh what, what oh, kind of oh. feelings and emotions were you wrestling with besides just not enjoying what you were doing?
2: oh my goodness, all kinds of feelings um fear mm-hmm. I felt a lot of fear what uh, I felt a lot of um pressure uh what if I fail what if I can't do this right uh, what if I have to go back to living in my brother's basement um uh, What if I can't take care of my children? Mm -hmm. Obviously, there was a constant concern that my um, husband would find us. Mm -hmm. And what would happen if he did find us? Mm -hmm. I would need to be able to go into a courtroom and explain that I can take care of my children by myself. Right. So, um, I mean, I'm sure I haven't even barely scratched the surface of what I was feeling at the time, but I know that was at least part of it.
1: Yeah. Did it feel kind of hopeless for you or... Were you seeing any light at the end of the tunnel during those early days?
2: Um, I mean, my nature is to be a Pollyanna.
0: So okay, okay. I,
2: I, even when I, I may feel hopeless, I am mm-hmm. always one to look for the hope in a situation, look for the light right look for the, for the solution. Mm-hmm. I am, I am very solutions oriented.
0: Right. Right. So,
2: um, yeah, when I was sitting at my desk crying my eyes out and, and making less than minimum wage and wondering, what do I do now? Um, I'm sure there were moments I felt hopeless, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that's always going to dig in and figure something out.
1: Right. And where does your faith come into all of this, too? Because uh, you and I both share a faith in God and, and both of us are Christians. Where where does that Where did that come into play during this time?
2: Um, well, I mean, if I'm being candid, that was uh, faith is a hard one for me mm-hmm. because um there were times when my children and I were still with my husband, and even after we went into hiding, mm-hmm. where the silence of God was painful,
1: yeah, yeah, and
2: difficult, and um. And I kept thinking, I got to figure things out on my own. It sure would be nice if you'd, you know,
0: <laughs>
2: kind of <laughs> yeah. give me some instructions here.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice to get an email from God or see something, some, some sign from the heavens, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah. exactly.
2: But, but I chose to, um, rather than sitting there waiting to hear from God, I just looked at what was going on around me. Mm-hmm. My brother took me in, my sister-in-law who barely knew me took in a family of five she did not know. Mm -hmm. When we got our own place to live, people were literally uh, dropping stuff off at our door. They would drop off food, they would drop off clothes. I would literally open my door in the morning, look outside and there would be a vacuum cleaner sitting outside my door. And I would have no idea who put it there. Um, So, Even though there was not a booming voice from the sky talking to me, um, you can see the hand of God working all over the place.
1: It's beautiful. Yeah.
2: Um, so that was uh, very comforting and um, helpful. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weak word, but I'm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I And I could see that because, and I think sometimes, I think it's good for all of us to, to, to understand who are Christians. And that is that in those moments when it seems like God is silent, oftentimes God is working in, and I hate to even use the word little ways, but in maybe a hundred less noticeable ways, God is doing something and working. And even when he's silent, it's kind of like our kids. You know, when my kids always got silent, it was like, I better find out what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because something is up when they get quiet. And I think sometimes when God seems quiet. There's often more going on than we realize during that time. And it's also, I think, a powerful reminder to us as Christians to realize that people who are going through trauma, transition, times like you were, how much we become the hand of God and the voice of God to people who need and are looking for that encouragement and strength. So, Yes, I couldn't
2: agree more.
1: That's beautiful. Well, so now we're the medical transcript who is crying, who doesn't like her job, but being the person you are, who is solution-focused, what wheels began to turn that got you moving in the direction where you are now?
2: Okay, so um, I finally reached the place that I decided medical transcription was not for me. And quitting was, it was a heart-wrenching decision because of how much I had invested in time studying, learning, you know, my parents had paid for the course. My brother and sister-in-law had bought me a computer. I mean, there was just so much pressure or perceived pressure Mm -hmm. to succeed. And when I made that decision, I can't do this anymore. Um, that was very difficult Mm -hmm. when I quit. I felt like a failure, but I also felt a tremendous level of relief. Mm -hmm. Um, short time later, I'm sitting in church and uh, obviously not listening to the sermon very closely. And all of a sudden, I thought, I wonder if pastors have their sermons transcribed. I, I think I would enjoy transcribing sermons because I grew up going to church. I understand what they're talking about. They speak clearly most of the time. Mm-hmm. This would be in my wheelhouse. Um, I think I'm going to check into this. So I went home and did some research, found out that Yes, lots and lots of churches post transcripts beside their audio and video sermons. Okay. And uh, created a website. Uh, July Fourth weekend of 2008, my 14-year-old daughter helped me create this dinky <laughs> little website. And uh, and and the rest is history. I've been in business since 2008. We've transcribed over 20,000 sermons, conferences, speeches, interviews, etc. Wow, and uh, it's been an amazing journey.
1: Yeah, who are some of, have you? Who are some of the most outstanding people that you have worked with? Had the privilege of working with?
2: Okay, oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Um, so we've transcribed sermons for Matt Chandler. Okay. Um, we have transcribed podcasts for Michael Hyatt, who is uh, well known. Right. Um, right. I would say probably the. But the most famous people that we have worked for, uh, Logos Bible Software, hired us to transcribe Tim really? Keller's uh, sermon archive, which ended up being, I think, 26 years of his sermons. We transcribed all of those and D. Amazing. A. Carson's sermon archive. You're so we kidding? Those. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow. Now, now I know I'm t- I'm I'm on I'm dealing with fame here. I'm. I'm that is incredible. I had no idea that you worked with Logos or that you did any of the transcription work for those. That is incredible.
2: Yeah. Those were, uh, it took us about two years to transcribe all of Tim Keller sermons. And that yeah, was I can imagine. the thing about this work that I love so much is not only am I making money or my team is making money, mm-hmm. but messages are being put into our, our heads. I mean, especially yes. Michael Hyatt's podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it was not just about, typing words and making money, I was being mentored.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: You know, as I worked and my team members, you know, sometimes they would transcribe something that resonated in mm-hmm. their lives. And, uh, I love that aspect of what we do.
1: That is fantastic. Ginger. I'm glad, man, I'm glad I asked that question because that, that, that intrigues me. I my, my head, my ADHD or whatever's kicking in, so I'm going all different directions and rabbit trails. <laughs> but I want want to stay on topic here. So, have you ever got to speak or connect directly with any of these people at all? Like, have you ever had a conversation, or did you ever seek them for any clarification? If so, I'd just like to know: Have you were you ever able to personally connect at all with any of these?
2: Um. I have personally connected with Michael Hyatt a little bit, but it's mostly on a business level. Um, We never really had personal conversations. Um, My daughter, Jessica, when she was in high school and college, she transcribed virtually all of Matt Chandler's sermons when she worked for me. Mm -hmm. And when she, um, several years ago, she went to Texas and she got to meet him. She was like, what my, one of my goals on this trip is to meet him. So she got to meet him and have her picture taken with him.
1: Um, That's neat. Yeah, that is so cool, Ginger. That is, I mean, that is really cool. (laughs) I think about the people that you've been privileged, and again, I think about the fact you get to hear those sermons. Now, can I ask? Maybe I'm asking the wrong question here, but in transcribing, is this something that's done just by hand as you listen, you type, or is there software involved in this? What just kind of tell us a little bit about what it's like to transcribe sermons and podcasts.
2: Okay. So, um, most of the time a transcriptionist will use a foot pedal. So we upload the audio file to digital playback software that is Mm -hmm. controlled by a foot pedal. So the foot pedal, we can start, stop, rewind, and fast forward the audio with our feet. That way we don't have to take our hands off of the keyboard to start and stop the audio over and over again. That's amazing. Um, I personally have not transcribed very much in a long time because I've hired people to transcribe for me and I have an amazing proofreader. Um, so I do more of the business stuff than the actual transcribing, but early on I did the transcribing and then I did all the proofreading and, uh, I, again, I just, what I got to hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Helped me create my business.
1: That's amazing. That is so that is so great. So, let's let's talk a little bit about how long did it take you uh, and when were you able to make that that quantum leap into I'm done with this medical transcribing business and now I'm going full board. Did you make that gradually, instantly and at what point did you make that that leap?
2: Um, it was gradual. Uh, when I quit the medical transcription again, I was still very committed to being a stay home mom. Right. Um, so I started babysitting in my home. So while I was babysitting, I started, uh, building my business and, uh, it definitely took a while to build it. I think I made $3,000 the first year. (laughs) it was, I mean, it was just, it was nothing. Um, but I love to, one of the stories I tell is my very first client was John Ortberg. And I had no idea that he was this yeah. famous pastor or author or anything like that. And when I, after I got him as a client and I did find out, you know, if I had known he was famous, I'd have never contacted him or his church. I didn't find out until afterward. And that really put um, a fire inside of me to say, uh, instead of saying that person would never let me transcribe for them. I just thought, why not me? Right. If I right. can do the job well, why not me? And, um, that's what gave me the, um, the courage to reach out to people that in, in the past, I would thought I shouldn't even bother contacting them because who am I? I'm this little peon. Never. I'm yeah. Not, who's never been heard of.
1: <laughs> and yet, the, and again, there's another God thing. I mean, God puts somebody right on your radar who you had no idea was a well-known author. I right. mean, and yet it, 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 it's just one more way that God, in that quiet way, opens a door that gave you the confidence to say, "Look, if I can transcribe for this person, well, why why not why not go for bigger fish? You know, why That's not right. at, put myself out there?" And yeah. you, you did just exactly what, what one of the titles of his book says: "If you're going to walk on the water, you have to get out of the boat."
2: That's exactly right. I
1: love that. That's got to be one of my favorite of all of his books. That's that's one of my favorite. So, are there any other neat stories embedded in your story that were just kind of like maybe those some real unique pivotal moments or in along the way that you also would like to share with us?
2: Oh, um, I I put in my Facebook post that um, when I think about over 20,000 transcripts and all the things that have been done with them, the ripple effect of that. I mean, I had um, a mom contact me one time to ask me for a transcript because her son was in prison. He wasn't allowed to listen to audio and uh, she wanted the transcript of this sermon called changing your mind. Mm -hmm. And um, that story has stuck with me for a long time. Uh, The transcripts have been used that, I have this one uh, pastor who does daily devotionals. Mm -hmm. So they're like one minute long devotionals. He takes the transcript and they are translated into multiple languages, Mm -hmm. sent to these other countries. And then the the pastors who speak the native language there do his devotional in their language. That's neat. (laughs) I mean, it's just amazing the way um, transcripts can be used. And most people are so unaware of the power of transcripts.
1: Which brings me to the next question. So why are transcripts important? Why is it not enough to just have an audio or of the sermon? What is the advantage of the transcript?
2: Okay, so there are multiple answers to this. Um, the first one would be, uh, a, I think a lot of the time people think that when they put the sermon on their website, it's going to be just for their congregation. You know, if they miss Sunday, they can go online and listen to the sermon. In reality, if it's online, the whole world um, could have access to it. Mm -hmm. So, say somebody does um, some research, say their grandfather just died, Mm -hmm. okay? And they go on Google and they do this research um, Did my grandfather go to heaven? Mm -hmm. Um, And then they land on this sermon that's about, you know, who goes to heaven? if this is somebody who's in research mode, they're not—they're not thinking about listening to a sermon. They're in research mode. Gotcha. They could mm-hmm. literally be reading a sermon transcript mm-hmm. that answers that question. If—if uh, if they have to choose between listening to the 30-minute sermon mm-hmm. or finding another resource like a blog or a book that will answer their question, the odds are they're going to move on mm-hmm. because they're not in listen to sermon mode. They're in research mode. Right. Right. Okay. So that's one of the main things they can churches can literally reach three times as many people online just by putting a transcript beside the audio, because so many people would rather read than listen. Um, amazing. They're also good for, um, uh, people who are sight impaired can zoom in, um, people who are hearing impaired. Um, obviously they can't listen to the audio so they can read the transcript. Um, pastors will take a series of sermons and turn them into a book. I've, uh, we've transcribed lots of series that that have been turned into books. Mm -hmm. Um, pastors can use them to keyword search. So if they're thinking, okay, have I told this fishing story? How long? I know I've told this fishing story before. (laughs) How long has it been since I've told it? They can keyword search and, uh, say, oh, okay. I saw it. It, It's been three years since I told that story. I could probably get away with telling them again. That's Um,
1: deep.
2: There are lots
1: of other yeah, things, but yeah. uh, that's
2: what's coming to me off the top of my head.
1: That's great, Ginger. Thank you for for sharing that. I really appreciate. it. There's a, a lot more I would love to to discuss. Maybe we'll get you back on again. Love to Thank at some you. point talk some more. So I want to do two things. Number one, I want you to to give a shout out for your website in the event that anybody would would like to, because I know a lot of pastors listen. And so, a lot of people who have podcasts and do ministry. So, just give a shout out for how they could reach you or find out more about what you're doing.
2: Okay. So, uh, the website is intentionalreach.com. A lot of people mistake it for international. Yeah. It's not international, it's intentionalreach.com. Okay. And, uh, a, I am the contact person there. I have a team, but they work in the background. If you contact my business, it'll be me that you are contacting directly.
1: Yeah, because I went on your website and thought I saw the little pop up to chat and I put something in there and sure enough (laughs) you answered. So that's great. Well, I'd like to just encourage people who are interested in this to reach out to you. One final question we do want to talk about here as we wrap, wrap up things in the next couple of minutes. Um, So let's, let's say you're sitting in a coffee shop with someone who is kind of in a similar situation to where you were 15 years ago. Uh, Life hasn't turned out the way maybe they thought it was going to. All their dreams haven't happened. In fact, it seems like most of them have crumbled and maybe they're stuck in a, in a job that they're not, they don't enjoy. Um, what would be like just some practical things that you would tell that friend sitting there in that coffee shop as they as they as you listen to them from your story, your experience, what would be maybe some things you would say to them that would to help them to start moving beyond where they're stuck?
2: Um, wow. Um, I, I think that I would tell them, first of all, that, If you're not happy with what you're doing, but you have a lot of skills and investment Mm -hmm. in in what you already know, it doesn't mean you have to throw it out the window. Maybe you can take those skills and the knowledge that you have and pivot and use those skills in a different way. When I quit medical transcription, I thought, wow, I just wasted all this time and money. But it turned out that I was able to use those skills in a different way. So that would be one thing. Another thing is if you hate where you are, but financially you need to stay where you are, start building something a little bit at a time on the side. Even if you can only do it on Saturday mornings and the rest of the time you gotta work on something to pay your bills, do what you have to do, pay your bills, take care of that. But that doesn't mean you can't pursue something else a little bit at a time on the side. Um, Yeah.
1: That's, That's great. And what about how did you educate yourself? Did you did you start reading books? Did you do a lot of internet research? What did you kind of do during that?
2: Oh, researching is in uh, totally in my blood. I mean, I live with yeah. Google open. So yes, I did a whole lot of reading, a whole lot of researching. Um, like I said, Michael Hyatt was uh, one of my earliest clients, and he's all about leadership and business right, and right. creating teams. And so, I mean, he was. Supplying me with all kinds of uh, valuable um, knowledge doesn't feel like the right word, but I'll go with it. That's, At the time, yeah, so.
1: yeah. Well, Ginger, your story is a real inspiration because uh, to see where you are today and where you were 15 years ago, it certainly has been a remarkable, incredible journey, hasn't it?
2: Oh, it's unbelievable, and thank you.
1: And your life has a whole new level of hope in it today, doesn't it?
2: Oh, yes. Yeah, so I am not. I tell people all the time, I am not who I was.
1: That's great. Well, Ginger, thank you for being on Hope Along the Journey and this episode. It's been a joy. And we'll get you back again sometime, okay?
2: That sounds great. Thank you so much.
1: Great. And listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. As always, I want to just remind you again to look to Jesus Christ, who is truly the hope of the world. And if you'll look to him, he will help you find
0: hope along the journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.